Hey there, language lovers. Welcome to the latest episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. I'm Shannon Kennedy here with my co-host, Benny Lewis. And in this episode, we're talking to English teacher, YouTube personality, and extremely entrepreneurial Gabby Wallace. In our chat with Gabby, we go over what inspired Gabby to begin teaching English, how being a language learner makes you a better language teacher, ways renovating houses and real estate connect to language learning, how to balance really diverse projects, living in a favela in Brazil, how to choose topics for online content as a language teacher and corporate language training. If you enjoy this episode of the podcast, you can listen to the longer extended version of this episode over on Patreon. In the long form version of the episode only available to our Patreon subscribers, we talk about building a language teaching business online, learning languages to travel, how to repair, and what to do with the languages after your travel is over, Shannon and Benny's tips for avoiding language interference with similar languages, and Gabby's ideal day of language learning. You can learn more and get access to our extended episodes and other benefits at languagehacking.com slash Patreon. And please let us know what you think of the podcast or this episode. You can share your thoughts with us over at languagehacking.com slash review. Now let's get into our chat with Abby. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 115. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. This is Benny Lewis, your host, and my co-host Shannon is with me as well. And today we are talking to a good friend of mine, Gabby Wallace. So Gabby has a YouTube channel, Go Natural English, with 2.2 million subscribers as I'm recording this. And uh, she has an amazing empire built in that. But at the same time, similar to myself, she's pretty well traveled and she's lived in other countries. So she's got a very interesting story that I really wanted to share with you guys. So let's dive right on in. And Gabby, I would love to hear from your perspective, how did language learning and travel uh, take a beginning in your life? Yes. Hey, Benny. Hey, Shannon. Thank you for the nice intro. It's such a pleasure to be here with you today um, and to talk about travel and language learning and building empires. That sounds so cool. I'm just excited to talk about all of it. So, I mean, where to begin? Um, there's the long story, the short story. Where should we start? Give us the long story. I, I like to go into depth. Yeah, sure. So, well, I remember back when I was in college and, you know, um, when they ask you to choose a major and you feel like, wow, this is a big decision. What a commitment. This kind of decides the rest of my life. And I was thinking, what do I want to do in my life? What kind of career do I want? And I wasn't really sure. I just knew I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to learn languages, ideally get paid for something related to traveling the world and learning languages. But I wasn't sure what that would be. So at first I thought, well, maybe something like working at the United Nations or something international, like in an international company. But I got an opportunity to start tutoring ESL, English as a Second Language. And 
I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed working with the students um, from different countries. This was in Maine. If we can go back a few, few several years back in um, in Maine, and then I learned about a program to go teach English abroad in Japan, and. I applied. I got in. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. I'm going halfway around the world. I don't know what I'm getting myself into, but let's do it. Sounds like an adventure. And um, I mean, from there, I embarked in a career of teaching English abroad, traveling, trying desperately to learn Japanese, and just having this adventure that, I mean, now it's been about Gosh, how many years since then? Like several, several years, 15 years since that moment when I went to Japan and started on this English teaching adventure um, of traveling and building my online business and the YouTube channel and all the things. Um, And so I really feel like, long story short, I have been able to achieve that crazy idea of I want to travel and learn languages and get paid to do it. So that's an amazing feeling looking back and being like, wow, I got to do this thing that I didn't even think was possible. Um, And certainly um, have a rewarding career along the way and and a rewarding business um, as I left the classroom and started my own YouTube channel and online English teaching business. So um, it's just been amazing being able to learn languages along the way. Obviously, I've been teaching English as a second language, which is my native language, but my passion is language learning, like language hacking. And I've always looked up to you, Benny, and, and Fluent in Three Months. And, you know, I often read your blog back in the day when I was traveling in Brazil and like looking for how to get people to talk with me um, in Portuguese or when I was traveling in um, Mexico or just anywhere, you know, and how to how to pick up phrases in, in Vietnamese or like just how to make the most of traveling and, and learning other languages. And um yeah, I mean it's it's been a wild adventure. I think I did make it to about 38 countries and now I'm back in the US. So not that it's over, but I'm taking a little pause <laughs> and regrouping as many of us have done the last couple of years. Um so let me pause there because I feel like I'm rambling on and I'm just excited to talk about all these things. I don't know, like, oh, should we go into language hacking? Should we go into traveling? Should we go into like, I don't know, YouTubing? Whatever would be interesting and helpful for everybody who's out there listening. Well, I'll jump in here and I'm gonna ask you to continue on the thread of language teaching. So I know a lot of people have a passion for teaching as well as learning and they have opportunities like you did to go abroad and teach as a part of an organization, but not everyone knows what to do at that point to kind of make it their own. So can you talk a little bit of the transition from teaching as a part of an organization into Japan to creating your own online business? Oh, great question. So I think it is such an amazing opportunity when you're already teaching, whether it's English or another language for an organization or a school, and you, you're coming up with these lesson plans, you're making engaging activities, you know, it's on your mind every day because this is what you're doing. And what I did was little by little each day, I would force myself to take a little extra step and think about what I was teaching that day, or maybe what questions my students were asking me 
And especially the ones that they would ask me over and over and over and over again, I was like, wait, maybe I should create some content about this. And I, I personally really like video. So I started creating videos, just like short, awful, (laughs) you know, five, 10 minute videos using this, this flip camera thing that I don't even think exists anymore. The zoom I ate anyway. Um, and I would make answers to my students' questions and then post them on YouTube. And it started out very organically because I wasn't trying to rebuild, you know, uh, the wheel or do something totally different than what I was already doing. I was taking what I was doing, what was already fresh on my mind, and I was feeling inspired about it, maybe to help my students more um, and give them more resources. And then I would just create post it on YouTube, not really think anything of it. Like, Oh, I hope this goes viral. No, (laughs) I didn't really put like huge expectations on it. I had no idea how to build a business from it. No clue. I just thought, Hey, if I'm making this thing that could be helpful to other people and they can watch it anytime, like while I'm sleeping or out, you know, enjoying myself in Tokyo or whatever, (laughs) um, that could be a good thing. And we'll see what happens. So, um, yeah, like 11 years later, cause it's been 11 years since I started the YouTube channel, <sighs> 2.2 million subscribers. It's, it's become a thing. <laughs> Do you think that your experience learning languages has helped to be a better language teacher? Yeah. Oh yeah. Because you have that empathy, you know what it's like to feel totally embarrassed and <laughs> like nervous and, um, to make mistakes. And so I try to make my students feel comfortable with that. Like I always tell them, Hey, let's make more mistakes. It's a great day to make mistakes. Let's make some more. And, uh, you know, not to like make the same mistakes over and over, but like to try new things. And yeah, when you try new things, you're going to make mistakes. Um, and I mean, obviously, you know, when you're learning other languages, you know, like as an English speaker, where the difficulties are in that other language. So you can kind of reverse that and think, oh, like, oh, if I'm teaching a a Spanish speaker and like, I know my difficulties in Spanish are X, Y, and Z, like probably their difficulties in English would be the same points, right? So totally, yeah, you can reverse that and become a better teacher and, and maybe kind of like, yeah, even niche down for a certain language learner, like, English to Spanish speakers or whatnot. So uh, how has your personal language learning philosophy uh, developed over the years? And how have you changed that with your travels from that Japanese experience to then living in Brazil and speaking Portuguese? Uh, like, do you have a, a method or particular resources you like to use? Definitely. I've always been super practical. I actually... I was so passionate about becoming a teacher because I hated how language was taught in school. And, you know, I remember wanting to become fluent in Spanish and I took Spanish class in uh, college and we did a lot of academic Spanish, which is cool and interesting, but it was like analyzing poetry from the 18th century. And I was like, I just want to talk to people. This is not helpful. And so my philosophy about learning language is you have to identify what it is you want to do first, 
and work backwards from there. So what is your goal? I mean, is your goal to analyze 17th century poetry? Cool. That's awesome. That's not my personal goal. My personal goal is to be able to go, you know, to the Dominican Republic and like have a conversation with someone uh, who I meet, you know, whatever, shopping, dancing, doing whatever I'm doing and just connect with people. I mean, at the end of the day, for me, it's about connection and communication. So that said, I like to listen to um, a lot of music because I find that there's common phrases, common vocabulary that you find in a lot of popular music. Uh, it's also enjoyable for me. So I'll often, you know, listen to the music, look up the lyrics, practice that. It really helps with pronunciation. Um, I'll read the newspapers. Uh, well, that's, you know, once you get a little bit more advanced um, to kind of know what's going on, what people might be talking about, um, watch YouTube clips, like authentic materials, you know, things that other, like my peers in that country might be watching so I can stay current with that and not necessarily just learn from a textbook. So I do think, of course, the more languages you have under your belt, the easier it is to learn because you understand like language has structure. It's, it's like, you know, the, the grammar, uh, kind of, it becomes easier and easier the more you learn. Um, cause you, your brain picks up on it faster. Like, Oh, this structure is how it works in Spanish. And, you know, especially if you're saying in the romance language, it's like, Oh, okay. Now that is kind of how it works in Portuguese or Italian or French. Of course there's differences, but I think it just becomes easier and easier. So yeah, I mean, my, my methodology, my theory is like, again, start from where you want to go. What do you want to do in the language? And then figure out, well, what vocabulary do I need to do that? What um, phrases are people using in the real world to do this thing? Um, whether it's like basic ordering a coffee kind of thing, or it's like business negotiations in Japanese. I never got that far in Japanese, but I can order coffee and other food items in Japanese. And that's the interesting thing too, is I think it depends on, um, yeah, just what you want to do. Like in Japan, I mean, I wasn't ever in business situations where I needed fluent Japanese, but I was teaching English and after work, I would go out to eat. I would go out with my friends and I needed to know how to order, um, or ask for directions or simple things like that. Um, so really just Working backwards from your goal, I think too many people start on page one of their textbook and it's like you let the book guide you, but I think it has to be the other way around. Like you have to guide yourself and then pick out those chapters in a textbook. Te textbooks aren't all bad. You know, we say, I joke, I say like, throw away your textbook. I mean, they're not all bad, but pick and choose don't just follow what your textbook says. Don't just follow what like a random teacher is telling you to learn. Know what you want to learn and then, you know, pick the things that are going to be most helpful for you. I think that's how you learn the fastest as well. And, you know, maybe you could work with a tutor to help you to like identify what it is you want to learn, but know what you want. Like, don't just follow your teacher or textbook blindly from page one. <laughs> so you're really active with a lot of 
incredibly diverse projects in your life. Things like renovating homes, traveling, learning languages, teaching languages. So my first question for you is, how do you balance it all? And then the second is, is there anything that you've learned in doing those other things that you've been able to apply to your language learning? Whoa, that's a really good question. I wasn't sure we were going to talk about all the things like renovating houses because it has nothing to do. Well, I shouldn't say it has nothing to do with language learning. Um, What's really interesting is that now I actually have several tenants um, and people I work with in the, the real estate area of my life who really only speak Spanish. And I never imagined that learning Spanish several years ago, teaching Spanish for several years, actually, the, all the dots would connect like this. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is such, such um, just a great skill to have to be able to communicate in Spanish with these people that have come into my life. And, you know, I, I think they appreciate it as, as well to be able to communicate directly in their language. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it all connects. How do I balance it? I, that has been, um, an interesting question that I've been considering, but I think just figuring out what I'm good at. At the end of the day, I enjoy communication. I enjoy connecting with people. I enjoy communication, whether that's teaching English, learning another language, or communicating with contractors and um, renters and, you know, different people who come into my life through real estate. At the end of the day, I just like communication. Um, I like to sync people up together and like say, okay, you know, let's get things done and figure out who's going to be doing what. I don't do all the things, um, but I like to find people who can help me do all the things and then communicate and make it happen. So I guess there are some common threads through all of that. Um, I don't know if I really answered your question, but that's kind of where my thoughts led me. Maybe ask me again if I didn't answer everything that you wanted me to. Um, I can give you an example. Maybe this will help make you think of something. So I'm a musician and a lot of the disciplines that I've developed in learning music have been incredibly applicable to learning languages. So for example, um, one of the things that I started doing in college while studying music was keep a journal for my instructor. And as a part of that journal, I would write what I worked on, how much time I spent on it, and then things I noticed in my playing that I needed to address in future practice sessions. So like questions I had about like, how do I do this thing? Or um, I'm not doing this very well. I need to work on it. And it creates this little checklist of things that I can always sit down, return to and study at a later point. So I've started to apply this to language learning as well. When I have a study session, any of those questions that may send me down like the YouTube rabbit hole or distract me from what I sat down to do in that study session, I write them at the bottom of my notes. And so then the next time when I'm like, oh, I don't know what to work on, I can go look at that list and just cross one of those things off. So that's a practice that I've taken from music and applied to language learning. Yes, I love that. I am all about journaling and writing things down from the to-do list, like, okay, this is what I need to do, to then, okay, what am I doing? Like in the moment, I'll write down what it is that I am doing to keep a record of it. And this is with language learning. This is with my online business. This is with um, renovations. And then I will look back and review and reflect on what 
I have done. So your example definitely was a good one. It made me think of that. I carry a paper notebook with me still because I like to, you know, just have it in my purse. It's easy to jot down um, what I need to do, what I am doing, and then reflect on what I have done. And I think that's so important for language learning too, to really reflect and I guess you'd call it review, but I think it's a little different. Reflecting is a little different than review. I think of review as like pulling out the flashcards and reviewing what vocabulary words you've um, you've memorized or you know how to use. But reflecting is more like asking yourself, what can I do today that I couldn't do a week ago or a month ago? Or like, am I on track towards that goal, my initial desire of what I said I want to be able to do in the language? Or am I getting off track? Did I just spend like, you know, a month on something that's really not applicable to what I said I wanted to do initially? And that's okay. Like going off on tangents, learning different skills. That's awesome. But I find myself doing that a lot. And then I love to sit down and reflect on like, am I really going where I said I wanted to go and kind of reining myself back in and getting back on topic to work towards my goal, whatever that may be. Maybe it's like fluency in Japanese, or maybe it's like renovating a house, whatever it is. Like you have that to-do list and then you want to get it done. Don't get too off track, right? So easy to get off track. There's so many, so many wonderful things, especially with the internet. You can like research for days and yeah. So I, I think that's a good process to have though, like what you mentioned and then like the journaling process. Hey there, language lover. If you enjoy this podcast, then you will definitely enjoy our Patreon. You can learn more at patreon.com slash language hacking. When you join, you can get access to our Patreon community and so many different extras. Depending on what level you join at, there is loads of bonus content available to you and every level gets some kind of bonus content. This can include the chance to ask Benny, Elizabeth, and I your questions, discounts on Fluent in Three Months courses, language mini challenges with Elizabeth, and travel updates from Benny as he explores new places all around the world. It's also a way to support our mission of making language learning accessible to everyone. Your monthly pledges will help us cover our editors, production costs, server fees, and help us to continue to make new content to support language learners. Once again, you can learn more at patreon.com slash language hacking. So I'm going to go in a slightly different direction here. Um... Whenever someone imagines a successful entrepreneur and you've got uh, a consistent stream of income, and if you're in other countries that you can leverage currency differences, that maybe you'd live it up and you might like go hang out in a a five-star resort and get limo rides everywhere. You definitely turn this on its head because you have this amazing story of living in a favela in, in Rio which like is not something that you imagine a successful entrepreneur is going to choose. So what's the story behind that? Oh, people are going to think I'm crazy. But yes, I need to talk about this more because it was a choice I made really, even from a language learning standpoint, I was like, if I'm staying in a really um, touristy area, people are going to speak English with me all the time. A favela Although it was like a 10 minute walk to Copacabana, to a very touristy area, living in the favela, it was, I felt like part of that 
community, everyone spoke Portuguese with me. I mean, they didn't look at me differently. I, I, I didn't feel like, I don't know. I just, I felt like very accepted and the way that people would just talk to me, like I was their neighbor. Um, it was, I'm so glad that I did it. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for everyone. It was a bit of a risky, I mean, favelas are, um, maybe not the safest place to stay, but I personally did not have any problems. I quite the opposite. I had a wonderful experience. Um, and I lived just above Copacabana beach. So my views were amazing. I could walk down to the beach. Um, uh, but I chose that because I guess I enjoy connecting with people. I mean, this, this is a common theme. Like I often don't make the more touristy choice. I've never been on a cruise. I don't really seek out, um, you know, like the five-star hotels. I, I guess part of it is my background as well. Like my family just never did stuff like that. And I do feel like staying in a more common person area, you get to connect with people a little bit more, um, especially because maybe English isn't part of the day to day. It's like, you have to speak in the native language and they don't necessarily, I mean, some people did speak English with me, but it wasn't as much as if I was like in a very touristy area. So I think for the experience, for the connection with people and really to get more fluent in Portuguese, I mean, these were all uh, reasons why I chose that. And uh, yeah, it was a very interesting experience. And I, yes, I was running my business um, from the favela, you know, there was internet, I had my little apartment. And actually, that was one of my better years in business, because I was I think it could have just been luck. But I think because I was just like, so happy. And uh, I, I was getting things done somehow, like, even though I was so close to the beach, I don't know, maybe it was a little bit of, of luck. But, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was working just fine, like running my business from there and, and with anywhere with internet. But, um, but yeah, that was definitely a good year. Back to your YouTube channel in terms of the kind of content that you make, like where do you come up with the ideas? Like you said, initially people could just DM you and maybe you were starting to see trends with uh, specific questions. But since, uh, you know, it's all up to you just to decide what is your next video going to be? Where do these ideas come from and how did you settle on uh, sticking to intermediate English instead of going for beginners or other levels? Oh, good question. So my topics come from a trifecta of inspiration. So first, yeah, those questions that I would always get um, first in the classroom from my students and now more online, you know, what are people asking me in the comments? Um, what do I think people need to learn about English? What do I notice when I hear uh, English learners speaking, like what mistakes are they making? What do I notice? Maybe they're not understanding as much. Um, what do I think they need to know? Because sometimes when you're learning a language, you don't know what to ask, right? You don't, you don't even know what you don't know. So as the teacher, I can help identify what students don't know that they don't know. And I can be like, here, this is what you don't know that you don't know. And now, you know, <laughs> um, and then third, uh, I look at other lessons that have been created, you know, that 
are popular topics. And I think, well, could I do this in a different way? Could I contribute to this topic online um, that has been popular? Uh, and also, like, I mean, there's a lot of popular topics like how to become fluent quickly or how to um, trying to think of oh, how to think in English was it's my most popular video. And I never thought it would be that popular. But apparently learning to think in a language is really interesting. I mean, I, I think it's interesting. But then like if a, if a topic is clearly interesting to many people, I'll think of offshoots to that. Like, oh, well, how to think in English by watching Netflix or how to think in English by you know, doing this other thing that's related, how to think in English by listening to a lot of music in English or, you know, all the things that could be related to thinking in English, activities to do to get yourself to think more in the language. So yeah, those those three things, like what are people asking me? What do I think they need to learn? And then what do I see has been popular? Um, and then, sorry, there was another part of your question, I think, about uh, why you chose uh, intermediate level English. That's right. I mean, I have found throughout my career teaching English, so I've taught everything from beginner to advanced, five years old to, I mean, I don't know, maybe 75 years old. I didn't check IDs, but <laughs> all ages. Um, and just for me personally, it was the most enjoyable topic. Uh, and, and I do teach towards adults. I mean, uh, yeah, it's not like, uh, intermediate for children. It's intermediate more for adults in their professional lives. I just think it's very practical and I could identify also with getting to the intermediate level and then feeling kind of stuck. Like, where do I go from here? Right. Cause I felt that way in Spanish for a while. I felt that way. Like it's, it's not easy getting to the intermediate level. I don't want to say that it definitely takes effort. But then sometimes when you get there, it's like breaking through to real fluency and being able to participate in conversations with natives or work in a native speaking situation. I mean, that's like next level. I feel like sometimes when I'm not immersed in Spanish or I'm not immersed in Portuguese, I quickly fall back down to the intermediate level. And so I imagine like myself, but maybe as a Brazilian learning English, like what would I need to know? How would I help um, that learner? And so it's kind of inspiring to me, I guess, because I see myself in that situation, if that makes sense, but like reversed because I'm teaching English. But I see myself in that situation in Spanish, Portuguese, and like, yeah, just maintaining your fluency. It's like, it's a lifestyle, right? So sometimes it's easy to fall back off the horse. And like, I just want to make content for people to help them to to come back up to that level. And also like, I think a big thing for me was, um, just feeling like I fit in or pe like people understood me in more ways than one, like understood my speaking, understood me as a person speaking another language. And so sometimes I'll drop some cultural tips or like, you know, how to kind of, uh, fit in, I guess, not that we all have to be the same, but like, Obviously, there all there there are cultural issues in communication um, that come up. And I'm struggling to think of them, but like I don't know, like like silly things, like hey, maybe um, like <laughs> okay. I remember when when I was living in the Dominican Republic, um, 
my friend's mom would be like, oh, you're looking like a little fat. Like you look so great. Like that's a compliment, right? But um, yeah, like maybe in English in the US, don't tell your friends they look fat because that's not really cool. <laughs> I don't know. That's a very basic one, but it's just what came to mind. So in addition to teaching intermediate learners, you've also done some corporate language training. What does that look like? Yeah, I have done corporate um, language training in a pharmaceutical company. And then a lot of my learners that come to work with me directly are professionals and working for various uh, corporations around the world. Um, so, I mean, it's it's more like presenting, negotiation, um, how to talk to your coworkers. Like, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's similar to other language learning is just identifying the goal. Like, what do you want to do with the language? And let's work back from there. Like, what phrases do we need to know? And yeah. And in terms of how you see your entrepreneurial journey uh, going in the future, uh, like, obviously, you are focusing a lot on like things like renovation and uh, the house market. But uh, like, how do you see your YouTube channel and your travels um, developing over this next decade? Wow. I love this question. Yeah. Because it's something I'm always kind of reflecting on and like readjusting my course, like, okay, this is working. So maybe I want to do more of that or like, yeah, just, um, I do see myself continuing with all of the above because language learning is a passion of mine. It's always going to be part of who I am. Um, I would say, yeah, also with renovations and real estate. I mean, I enjoy that very much. It's exciting for me doing things that other people would probably not want to do, you know, like it's exciting to me to paint and I don't know, like make a plan to make a nice place to live for someone. Um, so I do want to continue with all of those things. I think that more and more I will need to find help because I only have so many hours in the day and I need to sleep as well. So definitely we'll be looking for more and more help to do language teaching, content creation, um, marketing, and then of course, uh, renovations and things of that nature. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of like, building, continuing to build a good team. I already have, um, a good team, but continuing to build that and just keep it going. And I, I really love what I do. Like I love my work. I feel like I'm living the dream. It's not always easy. I mean, I do work hard, um, but I'm very grateful for it. But sometimes I need to actually remind myself to schedule vacations or like, okay, I guess I should schedule a vacation. Gosh, you know, like, I guess I should go to Mexico or something. I don't know. Like, I mean, it sounds silly, but I really do enjoy what I do. But I think um, there's a slight danger that like, I can be a bit of a workaholic. Uh, and sometimes I like doing things the hard way. So I need to stop doing that and just get more help and uh, like learn from people who have done this before me. I'm not the first person to renovate a house, I don't think. So it's just a constant opportunity to learn and uh, link up with good people who can help and yeah, plan some trips as well. Make sure I get back out into the world um, after all the craziness. 
So as you know, this is the Language Hacking Podcast. So one of the questions that we ask each of our guests is, what is your definition of language hacking? So this is going to be similar to what I mentioned before, is really starting with your goal and working backwards from that. It doesn't have to be so complicated. You don't have to learn every single thing about a language or in a language. Native speakers don't know every single thing about their language. So I think people get overwhelmed thinking like, I have to know all of the grammar tenses and I need to learn all the details and all the vocabulary. That's not really helpful. I mean, it's awesome. But what I think is helpful, what I think is the best way to hack a language is think about what you want to do and not like your whole life, what you want to do in the language, but like a month from now, what do you want to be able to do with this language? Or if you have a trip coming up, if next week you're going to Mexico, what do you want to be able to do in one week? That's realistic. Okay. (laughs) Realistic is important. Um, Maybe there are 25 phrases you'd like to be able to use. Okay. What do you want to do? What phrases? Let's go. Let's learn them. So start with the end in mind and work backwards realistically and with a short enough time period that you're not freaking out about it. Very good. I do like that answer. Thank you. Definitely. So um, I think this has been a fascinating dive into your mind and uh, hearing all about the various aspects of how you integrate language, teaching and everything else into your life. So thank you very much for joining us. We will have links to all of your stuff in the show notes for today's episode. And uh, do you have any closing words for us? Just thank you so much. It's so nice to finally connect with you both, Benny and Shannon. And it's such a pleasure to talk all about language learning and other things. But this is just a wonderful experience. So thank you for having me. Thank you very much for joining us. And until the next time, happy language learning. Happy language learning. At the end of each episode, Benny and I like to share something that we took away from our conversation with our guest. And this is something that we each think could benefit our own language learning and something that you can try out over the next week to see how it works for you. So Benny, we'll start with you today. What was your takeaway from our chat with Gabby? I like her learning philosophy to distinguish uh, what you would do from traditional courses, and that's to identify what you want to do specifically in the language and to work backwards from that. So too many of us kind of take the default path. And like you said, like she said, we start with page one of a book. But if we're very specific about here is where I see myself at the end of this two weeks or three months or whatever our goal is, then what do I need to be able to uh, study and practice to achieve this goal? So I really liked that she re-emphasized that uh, when she was talking about her definition of language hacking. And it really is an important um, point to take into our uh, structuring of our language learning plans. And other than that, she had a nice little phrase that I liked uh, that she said, uh, today's a great day to make mistakes. I think that's a lovely, lovely way of saying it. What was your takeaway? My takeaway was a point that she was making about creating content for the internet that I think could be applied to language learning. And it's that the internet rewards you for being consistent and that's in producing content. But I think this principle can be applied to any aspect of your life, including languages. Your language 
reward you for being consistent. So doing something on a set schedule and being consistent with it and not just kind of showing up and studying when you feel like it or when you're feeling inspired to do it is um, going to really help you see that progress that you're looking for and help you make those big leaps forward in your language learning when you're constantly showing up and doing it. So that was my takeaway. All right. So once again, you can listen to the long form version of our chat with Gabby over at languagehacking.com slash Patreon. You can let us know what you think of the podcast and this episode at languagehacking.com slash review. And as always, all of the links and resources mentioned in this episode are available to you as a part of the show notes. Until the next time, happy language learning. Happy language learning. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave us a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis, Shannon Kennedy, and Elizabeth Bruckner, and produced by Alice Semino, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. The theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.